Good morning, women of strength. This is the VBAC link, and we are excited today to be chatting with our friend Amy. She is I, I one of the most dedicated followers, I feel like, to the VBAC link, and we love her for it. And we're so honored to be able to have her on today and let her share her VBAC after two cesarean stories that actually ended in an assisted delivery. So we're really, really excited to have her on. And we wanted to also let you guys know that coming up in December, we are taking the month off. So we hope that you will still follow us and be with us back in 2020. What? I can't believe it's so close. And I know. Oh Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's so And crazy. don't forget that we have blogs and we have the VBAC link community and we have our Facebook and we have our Instagram. So there's still a whole bunch of places that you can be connected with us. So be sure to subscribe right now if you haven't to the VBAC link podcast. So you will be the first to be notified when we start back up in January. Julie, before we get going, would you like to share a review of the week? I would love to. Thank you. I love these reviews. Reviews make my heart happy. Like I can be in the worst mm-hmm. mood ever, like with kids and crazy and psycho right? mom and, then and you go, dirty house. And go then I go check Apple. our Apple podcast. And when there's new reviews, like my mood instantly changes. So you guys, your reviews really do make our day. Like they change our lives and make our hearts happy. But before I keep talking about how much I love them, I want to share this wonderful review from Steph M.E.B. on Apple Podcasts. And she says, as a VBAC mama myself, I have to say that one of the things I drew strength from the most was positive birth stories. I wish this existed with my previous babies and can't wait to listen and gain strength from the stories if we are blessed enough to have another. What a beautiful thing to have it all in one place. These ladies are really blessing and inspiring birthing women, be back or not. And that makes me so happy. I love I love hearing when our stories are helping other people, even um, parents that are not VBAC moms or parents that have not already had a cesarean. And so I think that's really, really exciting. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. All right, Miss Amy, are you ready? Because we sure are. I would like to turn the time over to you and share your beautiful story. Thank you. Yes, I'm so ready. Thank you for so much for having me on the podcast. Like, I feel like I listen to you guys every night in like my last trimester after I found out about you guys, and I feel like I'm coming full circle. And like, all I wanted was to be on your podcast and have the feedback. So I feel like my dreams are like coming true. Um, oh my gosh, but, yeah. we love you! Like, we saw your story <laughs> submission and. Uh, like when I was going through for scheduling the podcast and I was like, Amy Bodnar, that sounds so familiar. And so we were like just looking through our doula directory. Like, is she a trained doula? Like, how do we know her like, name so much? So, like, we know her so yeah, well. We, I know. But, <laughs> I'm a but doula. like we just, we should be a doula. 
One day, one day. Yes, I'm you should. But we just love you so much. <laughs> well, good. I love you guys and, and everything birth related. And I thought it would wear off by now at four months. After you know, postpartum, but it hasn't. So that's the calling. That's the calling to be yep, a doula. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So um, I guess we go back five and a half years to my first birth. You know, we weren't really trying, weren't preventing, and boom, you know, got pregnant with our first baby in um, April 2013. And I was, you know, baby fever, of course, and my husband wasn't quite ready, but so exciting. You know, that first pregnancy, there's nothing quite like it. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, my pregnancy was uneventful, easy, other than, you know, your typical morning sickness in the first trimester. So I decided early on I was going to go with this midwife group in town um, that, you know, is backed by a bunch of OBs. It's kind of all in one in practice. And so, you know, I decided I wanted this unmedic- unmedicated water birth, <laughs> um, which I later found out you can't even have a water birth anywhere um, locally. But, you know, I wanted to labor in the tub with no interventions and do all the things, you know, that everybody who wants that natural birth is going to do. And so um, a coworker of mine is, or was a doula, is a doula, don't work with her anymore, but she was um, a coworker of mine. She was saying to be a nurse midwife. Um, we're both nurses. And um, she taught me all about the world of like natural childbirth and doulas and what they were because I had no idea. And unfortunately at the time, like a doula just wasn't in the budget and I didn't really know about all my options. So sadly I didn't have a doula, but she kind of helped me come up with this birth plan that had like very little intervention. So, you know, my pregnancy was progressed normally. I was very healthy and, you know, fairly young and, you know, nothing really, no red flags. So um, we took a hypnobirth class and we were really excited about that. And I wasn't afraid of labor. Like I, I wasn't one of those moms that were like afraid of that pushing out the baby and the ring of fire. Like I was so excited to go through that. And I like mm-hmm. loved pregnancy and I loved childbirth and um, I felt really confident in my ability to have that unmedicated birth. So, you know, as my pregnancy went on, people, I got really large. And so, like, I'm not a very big person, but, like, my belly got ginormous. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody was asking if I had twins. And it was getting just really, like, mentally draining to be like, nope, just one baby, I swear, you know. And it just got bigger and bigger. And I don't think at the time I was even thinking, like, that was going to be, like, a problem. But um, it definitely took a toll on me physically. So, you know, by the end, I was just really ready to be done. And I was just, just that belly was getting really hard, you know, to live with. But the midwives were supportive and didn't really, you know, talk about C-sections or anything. So um, I had the growth scan at 38 weeks because I was measuring large. Um, And, of course, estimated weight was 9 pounds at 38 weeks. So, you know, that kind of messes with your head. But, you know, I knew it could be wrong. Um, The fundal measurements were like four weeks, you know, ahead too. So we knew knew it was a bigger baby probably. So my 39-week checkup, I was like one centimeter, you know, first time mom, like 70% of face or something. Didn't think much of it, but... Nobody thought I was going to make it to my due date. Like my dad, who's a doctor, you know, by trade, he's retired now, but he was like, you're not going to make it past Thanksgiving. And then my baby came after Christmas. So like, that's really oh. mentally draining to like, yeah. telling you over and over again, like, you're never going to make it to your due date. You're never going to make it. Yeah. And then like, you just keep making it, you know, so mm-hmm. you just don't want to be pregnant forever. <laughs> so it was about 40 weeks when, you know, they started the induction talk. And so I had to sign the papers and they start talking about, you know, the risks of like post-date and fetal demise and like all this stuff you don't want to hear the first time mom. And, you know, they had me in tears and this was supposed to be like the midwife group. And I was kind of like, okay, well, I know these are just, you know, they're just doing their job. So I had like an NST at some point and I passed it and they scheduled my induction for 4105. So, um, you know, I was trying to do all the things <laughs> like the bouncing on the balls and walking and like the really awkward sex. <laughs> just like, you know, nobody wants to do any of that stuff. And I got pregnant, but I tried everything and, um, and nothing happened. So, you know, we went to our last supper at 41 and 5, or, yeah, 41 and 5. It was a Friday night because that's when, you know, the hospitals want to do their inductions. So we had one of our favorite 
uh, went to one of my favorite restaurants and just walked into the hospital with my bags. I'm like, just never in a million years thought that was going to be how I, you know, went into my first labor. So a little sad, but, you know, I was just happy to meet the baby. So that was what, Friday, December 27th. And so, you know, they did the side attack for the ripening, which I wasn't crazy about, but they said that was cheapest and that's what they used. So, you know, I didn't mm. fight back. I didn't really know to like, you know, argue and advocate back then. So I woke up the next morning. Um, it hadn't done much. They started the Pitocin. I think my contractions were like really close together early on. And so they turned down the Pitocin, but I think they kept playing with it, like turning it up and down based on how busy they were, which I found out later, which was a little upsetting. And that wow. it's kind of hearsay, but I wouldn't like, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. If they were busy, kind of turned down her Pitocin so she doesn't, you know, I don't have her baby. But it was just like a rough go. I was up on the ball for a while and then I was reclined in a chair. And now I know that's a really bad way to be sitting for, a, you know, for baby's positioning. I'm um, mm-hmm. like kind of reclined, but no one told me that. So I think I dozed off and I woke up with awful, awful pain, like jolted awake with this awful back pain. And that's when my back labor started. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's when baby turned posterior, posterior or she was the whole time. And nobody mentioned anything about posterior, what that meant. So this whole time I was having awful back labor. Nobody like brought up changing positions or like posterior baby. So oh, um, like... Yeah, it's kind of upsetting, but, you know, you learn things in the way. So it was 11 a.m. on Saturday, and I was like two to three centimeters, and they broke my water, which now looking back seems really early, but, you know, once again, I didn't know any better. And I was still on the Pitocin, didn't have an epidural yet, but the midwife was, had a, you know, we had a long discussion about how long do people usually make glass without an epidural, and she's like, well, most people get one in the end. So I was kind of like, well, I might as well just do it now if I'm going to end up with one anyways. You know, mm. I don't know. Not like the most supportive talk. <laughs> but I, so I ended up with that patrol at what, like 2.45 p.m. And I was about four centimeters. So um, I didn't know at the time, but my epidural didn't work. Like it either had failed completely or it had migrated. So I went all day with this awful back labor and no epidural really, which I didn't know it was supposed to work better than it was. But I was like vomiting and like like the Zofran wasn't even helping. And, and I was just in excruciating pain. So like that night... I kept trying some different positions. I think my my water had to be broken again. I had like a extra bag, like a floor bag. Um, mm-hmm. It just made me laugh because I'm like, you know, all these interventions that I didn't want, I had like extra interventions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I finally got to sleep at one point. I rested a little bit, I think. And then I finally, I was calling the anesthesiologist like every hour saying like something's wrong, like you need to bolus me again. And I think he was getting annoyed. But finally a nurse said, you know what, I think you need a new epidural. And no one had mentioned that before. So um, at 4 a.m. I got it, and that was Sunday morning, 4 a.m. I got a new epidural and it worked magic. Like it was, I was like, okay, this is what it's supposed to be like. You know, I can finally get some rest after being awake for, you know, 24 hours. So I was able to get some sleep. I think I was like around a seven at some point. They checked me and I fell back asleep. And, and then I, around like 10 a.m., I must have been napping and I woke up to like a lot of pressure, like the butt pressure. I didn't know what it was at the time. And mm-hmm. apparently nobody thought I was going to get to 10 centimeters because like my parents went to, were like at the hospital kind of intermittently and, you know, over like the past couple you know, day and a half. And that morning they had left to go to Home Depot because they're like, oh, she's never going to get to 10, you know, like whatever, we can run some errands. And the nurse like didn't think I was going to never get to 10. She later admitted, but I woke up and sure enough, like that pressure was, I was 10 centimeters. So super excited, you know, like finally the epidural worked and my body, you know, dilated. So, I tried to call my parents and like couldn't even get a hold of them because they were like, I don't know, not answering their phone. And But, you know, I was at 10 and they decided we could put, you know, start pushing the practice pushes or whatever. So like the midwife and a couple of nurses and my husband, like we started the pushes and I was just like really exhausted, you know, no food. 
I didn't sneak any food or anything. So like no food, no sleep, you know, since Friday. And it was now Sunday morning. And, you know, I thought it, they said I was pushing good. Um, but I kind of just felt like there wasn't a lot of focus on like me at the time. Like they're kind of like chit-chatting over me, like while I was pushing, like, I don't know, it was very, looking back, it was very like kind of weird. And, and, and maybe it's just, just like my memories of it. But after going through my VBAC and seeing how supportive I know she was then, I don't think they were like as like focused on me pushing this baby out at the time. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess, you know, she was, they could see her hair. They said she, you know, I didn't know the girl at the time. We were like teen green, but they said they could see her head. But like, you know, after two hours of pushing, just no descent, like not, you know, far enough to, to push the baby out. So this is why, why we think she might have been OP um, because she was big and, and just mm-hmm. not coming down. So after the two hours, you know, they bring the OB in. They say, let's take a rest. We bring the OB in, and I'm just, like, physically exhausted at this point. And he comes in, and he's just like, you know, I'm not – he was going to check to see her position, I guess, manually. And he's like, I'm not even going to put you through this pain. I would have taken you for a section two hours ago or five hours ago or whatever. Oh like, he was just, like, came in real, real negative. I'm like, real, like, like I don't thanks. know. It was not supportive. <laughs> thanks a lot, man. Yeah. And he almost, like, bullied me into making me feel like I was making the wrong decision to even, like, be trying to push the baby out. And in that moment, like, every ounce – of adrenaline I had like keeping me going just like left my body and I just remember like slumping and like feeling like death like so exhausted mentally physically and I think I just gave up like I just said okay like I don't remember like what the conversation was but like I agreed to the c-section so mm. and I was told that this OB was a perfectionist and that I should be like glad I had him and I'm like oh okay like looking back I'm like oh my gosh like just what a I bet he has a high c-section right yeah. but um so I mean at least I had a good surgeon but I never met the you know I never met the man so, you know, I get wheeled back to the OR and, you know, the midwife sitting next to me and just, I hated every second of it, like the, the lights, the cold, the sterile, like just having every under- intervention possible and I wanted none. And so I'm like, how did I end up here? You know, I didn't even want to have a hip block, right? So it wasn't like I'm in surgery. And so, I mean, you know how it goes. They're like, it's just like, it's just like kind of crazy and they're like, mine's kind of spinning. You can't even like wrap your head around being like in surgery. Um, and I forgot to mention my mom had forced these sections. <laughs> so like I should have kind of prepped for but I never once thought it was going to be my story so you know you don't even think it's going to happen to you but the surgery went well and um I remember you know them holding her up and us finally we had a girl being so excited because we definitely thought we were having boys because our families have so many boys um and they, they held her up and she had her like you know strawberry blonde hair and um they took her right over and kind of like later and did all this stuff and we got to hear you know you, you wait to hear her cry and you hear the cry and you're so excited and then you know shout out 10 pounds 1.6 ounces oh my <laughs> and, gosh um, <laughs> yeah, my midwife looked over at me and said, "You were never going to push her out, or never, you were never going to push that baby out." <laughs> oh, okay, probably not the most supportive thing again to say, but whatever. Kind of just ignored it and was just happy she was there. But so that was our our Adeline May, our little first baby, big baby, born at forty two weeks exactly. And so you know, I had a, I had a good recovery. Like I really can't complain. She had like a low blood sugar, so I think they gave her some formula, even though I really didn't want them to. She had to have, like, the IV with the antibiotics, but, you know, overall, like, we both we both recovered great, and, and, and she was a great baby, and, and I don't remember being, like, overly depressed or sad about the C-section. I think I just thought that was, like, what I had to do because of my situation. So so I just remember when the midwife rounded the next day with a different midwife, like, the first thing I said to her was, so, can I have a V-back? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, that crazy mom who just had a baby, mm-hmm. like, ready to <laughs> fun, like, you know. So, she, of course, she was like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that when the time comes. <laughs> So um, I'll fast forward, like what, a year and a half later, or actually in between there, I actually got pregnant when my daughter was one exactly and had like an early miscarriage. So like that was really, really stinky. But, 
you know, just kind of believed that wasn't meant to be, and, like, we wouldn't have our middle baby if it wasn't, so that, like, you know, so it was really sad, but um, we found I was pregnant, like, the next summer, so my other daughter was at 18 months, and once again, we weren't really trying, but we weren't really preventing, and, you know, there comes another baby, um, so I knew, like, right away, you know, I'm not going to, like, just walk into that OR again, like, there's just no way. So my pregnancy was kind of the same, easy, uncomplicated, and not, not really too much morning sickness, a little less than the first time. I was just pretty healthy, and I, I kept going to the same midwife group for most of the pregnancy, and then, like, it kind of just started to rub me the wrong way. I don't remember what it was exactly, just weird vibes. Like, they were starting to restructure, and they kept calling me back late to appointments, and I just, I don't know, I got this weird feeling and, and decided to switch. So an OB I worked with at the hospital I worked with, who did some, like, work in our clinic, like, every couple of months, I decided I'm going to switch to her. You know, she comes highly recommended. She's brilliant. She's experienced and has like just, she just had like the best bedside manner, just the most warm, sweet demeanor. And you just couldn't help but love her. So I'm like, okay. She said she was VBAC supportive. I didn't ask many questions. I didn't really do much research. I don't, I think I just thought like you sign up for a VBAC and you get a VBAC, you know, and I didn't know. And so I think I was on a social media hiatus at the time. So I, like I tend to like get off Facebook for like large chunks of time. And I don't think I joined any support groups or anything at that point. So didn't really know to do all the prep work. So, you know, my pregnancy progressed. I was measuring like large as usual. And um, it got to be, I switched to her at 30 weeks. So I didn't get to know her that well. And I saw her PA a lot, but um, start measuring large. And she kind of starts, you know, changing her tune a little bit. And, you know, oh, you're measuring large. And Baby's real comfy mm. up in there, and you're not, you know, no signs of labor. And actually, a, a surgery schedule scheduler called me and tried to schedule my C-section for 39 weeks. And I was at work, and I remember being in the lunchroom in tears because they were giving me this date of 39 weeks. And I'm like, aren't you even looking at my chart? Like, I'm a VBAC. Like, I was freaking out a little bit. And so then, like, my doctor called back, apologized, and then she scheduled my C-section for 40 weeks in a day. And that was my um, VBAC attempt, like, in oh. her eyes. So, yeah, oh. like that, I don't. Looking back, I'm just, like, heartbroken because I didn't know at the time that that was ridiculous. And I would love to ask her, like, why? <laughs> but but it was it was what it was. And I think at, like, my 40-week check, she's like, oh, baby's comfy up there, like, cozy and floating up high. And, you know, I think we're going to have to do the C-section. So, you know, didn't know any better. Labor didn't start. So I just went in with my bags again and went to my 40-week C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was. It was really upsetting because I don't, that obviously wasn't a trial of labor at all. Um, so, you know, you're in the cold, cold OR. I got my spine on. I remember her holding my hand and just, I still thought she was so supportive and so wonderful, <laughs> but I vagled really badly getting my spinal, like, cause I tend to pass out a lot. And so I, my heart rate dropped to like 22, like I stayed conscious, but my heart rate dropped really low. And like, I kind of passed out without passing out. And, um, they had to give me some like emergency medicine to get that up. And my mm. husband was still like in the hallway and it was just like kind of traumatic. Like yeah. the, the anesthesiologist was like, Oh, we're, we're surprised you're still coherent and talking to us. Like, so it was a little scary, but I got stabilized and she did my C-section and midway through she, you know, pulled the card of, Oh, you have a uterine window. Like, look at this big uterine window. We're so glad we did a C-section. Oh. So you know, there was that lovely. That bugs you know, me so bad. I got the yeah. same thing. <laughs> Megan's like glaring at me right now. She's like, Oh, the same thing. Doctor. Like, so glad we, you didn't have a knee back. You for sure would have ruptured. Like for sure would have ruptured. Really? Yeah, yeah. Thanks dude so, for placing that fear in my head. Down. I was mm-hmm. with my kids. Now that's thumbs under- down. Mm-hmm. Bad news. <laughs> it's in your record now. Like part of your re- yep. it's part of your story yep. that's your OR report, which stinks. Oh. So you know, I just remember just like hating the whole experience and and just being so happy that when the surgery was over, you know, the shaking, the vomiting, and the just of course everyone no one loves that. So 
they hold up my second daughter. We didn't know it was a girl. It's a girl again. You know, we were just head over heels, and she had this head of orangish reddish hair, which mm. is on either side of our family, and she just such a fun little surprise. And so it's Delaney. We changed her name at the last minute because of her red hair. Oh, um, she was I nine pounds, Lainey. thirteen ounces. Yeah, <laughs> my she oldest was like daughter. 40 weeks. You guys need to go out for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, you love that name too. Well, my no, daughter's name. Her daughter's Lainey. name is Laney. Is it your second? No. My first. Oh, your first yeah. is Laney. Yeah. yeah, it's not Delaney. Oh. It's just Laney. But oh, oh it's Laney. <gasps> Same. Yeah, I call her Laney. Oh. Yeah, Laney bug. Yeah, that's exactly oh, so what we love called it. her. And her her newborn room, like her her nursery, was. Ladybugs. No. And, and her, I love it. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> you guys are making me all giggly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's a pretty name. I love it. And like, yeah, we were like, are you sure that's my baby? Like, did you take, I know she came from my uterus, but like, I don't know who's, you know, red hair that is. Yeah. But, you're like, um, wait. <laughs> so with, are you sure? But so with her, we got to do like, I got to do, I forgot to mention with like my first, I didn't really get to do like the skin to skin. I got to do like the little like half holding with, you know, picture with the swaddle, but with her, I was like, I'm doing skin to skin. So they brought her over pretty quickly, and, and we did get to do some skin to skin. And I had, like, a really great recovery with her because it was, you know, not an induction. Like, my hair looked good. My makeup looked good. You know, the scheduled C-section totally different. I had this, like, tap lock after tap lock, which is, like, a nerve block in your stomach, like your abdominal muscles. So I didn't really need pain meds, and I felt great. Yeah, it was really cool. It lasts for, like, 72 I've hours. never heard of um, that, so actually. Amazing. Yeah, uh, they, they do them on what all. what um, pep? It's a tap, tap, T-A-P. Oh, I think it's called like trans abdominus pain. Hmm. I looked it up last night because I wanted, yeah, and they put these big needles in your stomach when you're still numb, oh. and they put like the pain meds right into like, the like I've never heard of anyone else right now. Well, no, yeah. I'm like, I actually would like to look yeah. more yeah, into it. It is interesting for after surgery like that. Yeah, in that, yeah. Yeah, um, hmm. yeah, the surgeon, they said they were just starting them on all abdominal surgeries at that hospital, so that was 2016. Yeah, maybe it's progressive out here. I don't know. Probably not. But <laughs> I don't know what that was. Yeah, it was kind of cool. It was offered, so I took it. And, yeah, I mean, we had a great recovery. And I guess we kind of thought that was our last baby, but didn't really talk about it. We don't really do well at planning or, like, family planning, apparently. Um, <laughs> so I'm just really fertile. <laughs> but I did have an IUD for a little while. That's a whole other story. It was evil, and, and it made me a crazy person, a raging, just the horrible anger. And so I got that IUD out. And of course, that's when baby number three came along a little bit later. But so, yeah, so we were had our third pregnancy. And it was about three years, or my due date was three years exactly. Um, but I found out I was pregnant, yeah, like um, summer of 18. Yeah, that was my, it was definitely like different in so many ways. So my pregnancy was completely different. Um, I felt completely different. Like, I think I just knew it was a boy. <laughs> And I just knew he was going to be my feedback baby. Like, everything was just so different about it. Um, I was kept running, which was a huge deal because I didn't before. And, like, I ran a half marathon at, like, 10 weeks pregnant and, like, even, like, beat my husband's time. I'm like, see ya. Oh my like, left, him, left him in my dust. But, like, I just felt great and I ate healthier and I worked out more. And I was just so determined to make him be, like, my smallest baby somehow. And I think I got a little obsessed at one point where I was, like, counting calories like like it wasn't healthy I'm like oh we're gonna make you little like you know but I'm like okay don't be crazy just you know be healthy and so kind of snapped out of that but I just kept calling him my peanut and I'm like if you're gonna be my feedback like I need you to be a little smaller but I joined you know this time around I joined Facebook groups like I found him in Northeast Ohio feedback I know one of you are a part of it <laughs> I remember feeling like you were like a celebrity like part oh. of our group when you joined our, with Jamie Schrock and 
Yeah. Um, yeah. That was me, you. Julie. Uh-huh. Yeah, Jamie yeah. Leaves the, yeah. Jamie leaves the group. And yeah, she has, the, and she has the book. book. Oh, yes. Yeah. Very beautiful birth. I'm going to like give it a shameless plug. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yes. It's a great book. Like, yeah, it's a great book. And finding that group like changed my life. So I would have never in a million years found my OB or thought to like look at all the hospital systems in you know, our area. I just would have never known to call every hospital system. How do you find this like gem, this doctor who will do these feedbacks? Like she did all the hard work and then she kind of told us who to go to. So I found this OB through her and the site from the moment I met him. Like he was just so different than any provider I've ever met. And I'm a nurse and like I've met a lot of doctors and like I've just never met one with his just demeanor. Like he was so calm and like supportive and encouraging and just uplifting and like I could talk about him forever, but he just was awesome. And so I left my first appointment just feeling so like encouraged and empowered and, and just like, unlike anything I'd ever felt with any of my other doctors. And I just kind of found it sad that my like second doctor for my second birth was a female and like she believed in my body less than this man. So like he truly believes in a woman's body and he'll call himself like the midwife in scrubs. So like he, he just, he does like triplet vaginal births. He'll do breech births. Like he's just one of those like awesome doctors. Sounds like Doctor so, Silver um, here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like the one. Yeah, I just heard that story, that podcast. Oh yeah. But um, so yeah, um, so my pre- pregnancy like progressed, no issues. I felt the best I'd ever felt. Like I was carrying a little smaller, and he kept asking like he wouldn't. He didn't do fundal measurements because that was my one request, and he never even like pushed for it. So awesome. But I, I just don't need that negative. I don't need that negative. Like you, you know, don't need that. Do like that in my mental space. So. Mm-hmm. Um, he kept saying, do you feel like you're carrying the same? Do you feel like baby's smaller? And I'd be like, I don't know. Aren't you the doctor? Like, is the baby smaller? But I said, yeah, I really do, like, feel like everything's different this time. So I did, you know, the chiropractic care with the Webster's certified, you know, mm-hmm. chiropractor and, and listened to um, your podcast. I think I didn't find out about until, like, my third trimester. But I, like, walked and I kept running till about 30 weeks. And, like, just, like, try to do everything I could and surrounded myself with only with people that, you know, supported me. And I tried not to talk about the birth with people who would like, you know, be negative about it, um, which working in like a hospital, like a lot of the medically minded people don't, you know, understand. So I started going to ICANN towards like February or so, like the last few months of pregnancy. And that really, really helped. Um, and at 30 weeks, I surprised my husband with like a gender reveal cake on Valentine's Day because he like really, really, really want to know the gender. And we had the envelope for the first time. So that was, that was really awesome just like crying tears of joy knowing I was having a little boy. And just like, felt like that also really, as much as I love being team green, like that really like motivated me, like just like emotionally, I think just to like meet this boy and like bring him into the world, like throw me back. So, so yeah, so everything was going great. He didn't pressure me into anything I didn't want to do really. Um, he did want me to have that late term ultrasound though, to like check everything. He wanted to check the lower uterine segment, like the scar. And unfortunately I had that, uh, that these, uh, ultrasound done at um, the hospital I work at I think a long story short, it was an awful experience because the OB that had to come in to talk to me, like it was protocol, just spent like 30 minutes, like just with scare tactics and like fear mongering and just like saying that my baby was going to have like a shoulder dystocia because of his 99th percentile abdomen. And like, I just like left in tears and and, like, you're not even my doctor. Why am I even listening to you? But she just really, and it was a woman and she just like really, I don't know, anyways, got my spirits down. But I went to my doctor at my normal practice. And he, like, took one look at the report, and he just, like, didn't even bat an eye. And he's like, okay, we're good. Everything looks great. Like, your scar looks, like, it's thick enough or whatever, even though there's there's no, like, actual protocol for that. <laughs> there's yep. no, like, parameters he's got. They don't even yep. really know what they're looking for. But he's like, okay, you're oh, good. <laughs> seriously. I just so have I so can... much to say about that, but I will refrain. <laughs> 
I can imagine. I can imagine. And it's just like, you know, he went over all the risks. Like at every appointment, every couple of appointments, we would talk about risks. I signed my DBAC consent. Like he was very matter-of-fact and realistic. You know, he even shared some rupture stories with me, which I thought was cool. But he didn't, like, use the scare tactics. He just said, this is this, you know, this is your percentage. And, you know, all we can do is try to, like, you know, do what's safest for you and the baby. And, like, if I feel like it's unsafe, I'll tell you and we'll change our course of action. And so he was just wonderful. So, yeah, I started doing, like, all the things to try to go into labor that, you know, of course, you know, the, the tea and the dates and the walking and Cairo and all that stuff. So um, at 39 weeks, like, I was starting to have, like, a lot of pressure and pain and, like, menstrual cramps. And it was kind of like the beginnings of things, you know, I think moving around, along. But um, I was, like, one to two centimeters and, like, 70% of face, I think. Um, he couldn't do a membrane sweep, but he said he loosened things up, which was really painful. So I think he did, like, a mini sweep or, like, mm. stretched my cervix or something. It was really awful. But um, I just wanted, like, to go into labor for the first time on my own. That's, that was, like, one of the biggest goals of mine. Like, of course, like, pushing out the baby, but, like, I really needed to go into labor on my own. I needed to know that my body, like, worked and it wasn't broken. And, you know, just after being denied that with my middle, my second baby, I just really needed it to happen. And he wasn't putting me on a timeline. Like, thankfully, he didn't give me that 41-week timeline. And my, my, my due date came. I was having some contractions, lots of pressure still, lots of weird, like, cervical pain. And at 40 and 5... I had another appointment, and we scheduled a BPP for, like, a few days later, and my induction was going to be at 41 and 6. So it was scheduled. I had to, like, you know, go through the scheduling of that, but he still said he was a little nervous sitting on his hands still because of my history, but he said he wasn't going to force anything. So we did another slight membrane sweep. Um, I was, like, two centimeters, and that day I went to Target, and I had, like, so much pain. Like, it was, like, in my butt and my thighs and, like, all this pressure, like, all these contractions. And I had about 10 days of prodromal labor. I know you, you ladies, like... You'll talk about, you know, how yep. awful the labor is. But, like, labor oh, my sucks. gosh, so many contractions. And it's such a mind game because you don't know what labor is if you've never been in it. Mm-hmm. The next few days, like, you know, somebody show here and there, some contractions here and there, and more pressure, more contractions. And then, um, like, the night of the third, what was that? So it was, like, Friday night. I thought I was on labor. Like, they were getting stronger. They were, like, 48 minutes apart. And then they... Um, would like go away for a little while then they'd come back and I couldn't sleep so I like strained my hair and thought I was going to the hospital you know so crazy but I definitely wasn't yet it was still like that prodromal labor but I didn't get any sleep that night I couldn't sleep through them they were still like just you know strong enough to not be able to sleep so the next morning I was just like exhausted and I I was just like I'm not going to tie my contractions today I'm just going to rest um, my doula said I'd do a mild circuit my husband took the kids I turned off my contraction timer and just like rested as much as I could um, that night, I'm like, let's go for a walk. So I met my parents at a tope, like at this, at this park. And then we went out for dessert, and I slammed this huge hot fudge brownie sundae. Just was like, you know what? Forget this. Like, if I'm going to be pregnant still, let's just live it up. So I had this big Sunday, and um, that night, my kids went to bed, and, like, contractions started back up. And, you know, I figured it was more just, like, the false labor. I bounced on the ball. I watched, like, TV, and then they became, like, more consistent. So, like, 8 to 10 minutes apart. And then they could take a break and then they would get a little more stronger. And so they were like four to five minutes apart around 10 p.m. But I didn't wake up my husband or anything yet. He had gone to bed already. Um, and then by 11 p.m. they were like already like one to two minutes apart. So I don't know if I was timing them wrong, but I was getting a little nervous because I was like having to breathe through them. But I still wasn't like really angry in between them. Like I was still like mm. talk in between them. And my doula was like, well, you want to be like really like irritable in between them. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not there yet, but they're like two minutes apart. And I live like 30 minutes from the hospital. So I think I freaked out a little bit and maybe you went prematurely, but um, my mother-in-law came over and, and um, we got in the car and my doula, I just said, no, don't come over. I'm like, just meet me at the hospital. So of course, 
looking back, she probably should have came to the house and labored for a while. But anyways, I was just so excited and, and just to be in labor. So we, you know, made the trip there. We got there, like, I don't know, it was like 1 a.m. I got checked in and um, I was so happy to see that my doctor was on call. So he walked into triage and it was like my little angel, like showing up and I was so happy to see his face and not some strangers. So he was on call until 10 a.m. So that's like a kind of a important part of the story. Um, he had already been there for like 20 something, you know, something hours. He'd been there a long time. So he checked me and I was four centimeters. So, you know, he, he didn't want me to go home because I wanted to go back home and to my parents' house who lived closer in labor somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he said, no way. You're 41 weeks. <laughs> going to be back. So um, he did say he wanted to break my water. And so, like, I knew he wanted things to be sped up as much as possible because he said the next on-call doctor was not going to be supportive. And mm-hmm. my doctor will come to the hospital. He'll deliver all his own babies, but he didn't want me to have to fight this other guy, like this other doctor. And so I know he had my best interest at heart, but like he kind of pushed the breaking the water thing on me and, and I kind mm-hmm. of wish I would have said no. But anyways, trying not to like regret anything because it really all flowed into each other like nicely and all ended up, you know, the way it was supposed to be. But so we got back, got checked in or whatever, and we did check the baby's position and he was anterior. So I was so excited um, after, you know, my first. Yeah. So, oh, okay. so excited. Head down. Um, so at 2.30, broke my water, and that just led into, like, some very, 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 very intense three hours of labor, which was kind of a blur, and, like, the vomiting and the shaking and, like, the diarrhea and <laughs> screaming through contractions, and, like, I just never could get ahead of the pain, and I think it, it all came on so fast that, like, I just never was able to get to a relaxed state, and they were, my contractions were coming, like, two at a time, like, coupling, and they were coming really close together. So I just couldn't cope and like, um, I couldn't even think straight. I just really couldn't do anything except like just scream, like at the bed rails and like push mm-hmm. and pull against them. And my mm-hmm. amazing doula was doing counter pressure. Yeah, I forgot to mention, I did have a doula this time. Her name's Emily. She was incredible. Um, and I, she just pressed my back and she was just awesome. And um, I thought I was in transition because of it was so awful. So we called my birth photographer. I forgot I mentioned like she, we had warned her and, and everybody obviously when I was heading to the hospital, but and we called her to come in, and she was supposed to come in around seven centimeters, but I hadn't been checked. So we're like, yeah, come on up. Like, this has to be, you know, I'm sure, we're sure I'm progressing at this point. They actually almost gave me terbutaline to slow down my contractions. They were just, like, so Wow, on top of each other. So, yeah, they were just, like, double peaking and boom, boom, boom. And everyone tried to get me in the shower, apparently. My doctor even, like, offered me this, like, really nice room, like, the nicest room with the nicest shower. And I said, nope. Like, my doula tried, nope. I couldn't move. Like, I couldn't even, like fathom getting up and into a shower so I really wish I, someone would have just like dragged me into the shower but at that point I was just there's nothing I could do so I tried the peanut ball I was on the toilet like just it was awful so it was 5 30 and my photographer showed up but she wasn't really like taking pictures or anything yet but which is an important part of my story also but I got checked it was 5 30 so I'd been like four and a half hours and the resident says, you're only, you're four centimeters. And I, I don't know if I like swore at, at him or her or what I did, but I was just heartbroken because yeah, I felt it for you've been working so hard. hard. So hard. I mean, I was like a maniac. Like I was like that, that wild animal, like just screaming. Like I, I don't even know what I was doing. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> so I looked up at my husband in that moment and I just said, I need an epidural. Like there wasn't even a hesitation, but it was my decision, you know, and my doula, I turned to her, I remember, and I just thought she was going to say, like, oh, no, 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 let's breathe. Let's try some oils. Like, let's do something. And she would just said, I think your body needs to relax. So, like, I knew, like, mm-hmm. she was, like, affirming that decision, and I knew it was something I needed. So, didn't want to do it, but so we got the, you know, anesthesiologist in, and um, and it took him, like, three tries, like, three pokes, and then finally got it in, and it only worked on half my body. 
So like, I am just not good with epidurals, apparently. <laughs> they don't like my body. So it worked on the right side, and he, he was so nice. He sat with me for an hour while it, while it like, kind of evened out, and it took about an hour for it to kind of finally even out, and I asked for, like, the low-dose epidural so I could feel everything. But at this point, um, everyone had to leave the room, and this is when my birth photographer left, left me, just, like, abandoned me at the hospital without telling me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, um, yes, and I could probably cry. That's I probably cry talking about it. Um, it was, like, really um, important to me to have this documented, especially if it happened, so... That was just really sad. I didn't know at the time, but I found out later, like, that's when she left. Mm. So because everybody was out of the room for so long because it took so long to get the epidural to work, and it, they're not allowed to be in the room. Mm. So um, fast forward, we got it to work finally. It evened out pretty nicely. And less than an hour after, like, he put it in, I felt, like, the pressure in my butt again. And I said, no, there's, I told him, no, there's just no way. Like, I progressed that fast, like, in less than an hour from four I was like, I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> so I dozed off. Like, the room was really quiet and had, like, this magical hour for, like, just peace and quiet. Everyone rested. And so I think I, like, woke back up to, like, the, the pressure again. And like, it was, like, another hour had gone by. So it had been two hours since the epidural. And it was about 8.30, and my doctor came in and, and was like, let me check you. And I was like, yeah, like, I feel this pressure, but, you know, whatever. And he, he checks me, and he says, you're full. And we all thought he said four. Oh, and I screamed. Oh, no. <laughs> he said, I'm punch you in the face. <laughs> Either said, shut your mouth or I said, I'm going to punch you in the face, my poor doctor. And he's like, no, 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 10, 10, complete, 10. <laughs> like, don't ever use the word full ever That's again. That's interesting that he four. said full. I've never full. heard of it. That's yeah. so weird. You know, and like my doula and my husband heard it, heard him say four. Oh and like, gosh. I thought I was going to just die right there on the table. So I was 10. So I went from four to 10 in like two hours or less. I and think it was an hour. Your body just relaxing. Yes. Yes, I just think like, yes, like it, it was amazing. And in the moment, I'm like, I knew that was what I needed. But, you know, I'm just, just so grateful at that point. So he um, checked with ultrasound and baby had flipped to OP <laughs> at some point. And so that was really, really upsetting because like I knew my first, you know, I ended in a C-section and I knew it was probably from her being posterior. And I think it was at one point when I was on the birth ball, I saw like this big like roll. And I actually thought it was um, a rupture. Cause I remember hearing like a rupture looks like a somersault. But I think she was slipping OP. So mm. I saw like the OR just flash before my eyes. And I just said, no, like I'm doing this. I don't, I was like the most fiercely determined person in the world at that point. Like just the fire blazing me. Like, no, nope, we're getting this baby out. So I started pushing at 845 and they were like the best healers in the world. Like I, my nurses were amazing. My doula was amazing. My husband was just incredible. So we tried all these different positions, like sideline. And like we did like the tug of war with the rebozo and some like forward lying, squatting position thing. And after about an hour, um, they said my pushes were really good and, like, they could see his head. But my doctor's like, you know, um, he watched the pushes and said, you know, these are really strong pushes, but I don't want you to wear yourself out and, like, end up, you know, kind of like where you were <laughs> at the first one. So he's like, in, like, 15 minutes, I'm going to come back in and maybe I'll give you some help. And so he just, just I think we were kind of, like, all afraid of, like, just getting stuck or, you know, not running out of energy. So I was definitely, like, a maniac pushing. I ripped out my IV, actually, at some point, just from, I don't Whoa. know, the bar is like, I was like an animal. It's just flapping. I didn't even know he had torn out. It's just like flapping on my hand with blood dripping down my arm. I was like, oh, man, what a crazy person. But um, so he came back in, um, and he was like, yeah, not much, you know, more progress. So I would like to help you. And, like, of course, not what I wanted to hear, but I was just, I just trusted him 110%. And so he said, you know, that vacuum's going to fail. I'd like to use forceps. And he's one of the only two doctors that does forceps in, like, this large hospital. So, I didn't even for once question him. Like, I just trusted him so much, and he just has this amazing, peaceful presence, and he just makes you 
trust him, like the way he speaks. Like it's hard to explain that he's just so confident in himself, but like not cocky, I guess. Like so, him and a resident like was like, okay, don't push for like a couple of minutes while he pops, and they got the forceps in, and and he, I only he only used them for one contraction, like one push, and I guess the baby kind of like slow down, and he's like, whoa, okay, that was good, like that was a strong push. So I took him out, and then yeah, like I pushed like three more times, and like deliver the baby's head, his head, my son's head. And then, unfortunately, I didn't know at the time, but unfortunately, like, I think, like, as I was doing, like, after his head was out, the next push, like, uh, like a flood of, like, meconium came over his face. Mm. So they, like, called a code pink, like, the NQ team had to come in. And so I think they might have known there was meconium on the forceps. I remember, like, my pictures, I have, like, a lot of pictures from, like, every inch of that delivery. My doula was amazing. And since my photographer didn't, wasn't there, my doula took pictures while she was holding my leg. I have every so like awesome. moment of my baby being born, like up close and personal, which is amazing. And so they had to, they, you know, I pushed him out. Of course, like most amazing feeling in the whole wide world, like just surreal. And I couldn't even believe like he was coming out of my vagina. Like, like oh my god, that really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, coolest feeling in the world, and it was cool that I could feel it even with my epidural, and I could move my legs still, and I could, you know, like yeah. still be a part of like the pushing, and I could feel every contraction and. And so um, I kind of knew there was a lot of people in the room at the time. I, I'm sure they told me what was going on, but I was kind of like in a, it was a blur. So I put them on my belly, and they cut the cord real quickly. So I didn't, of course, get like the delayed cord clipping or like the skin to skin. And that was a little upsetting. But my husband got to cut the cord, and they were kind of like hovering, like ready to take him. And like he hadn't cried yet. And in the pictures, he does look a little like purpley. <laughs> but they took him to the warmer section him and, and did some CPAP, and he was crying. And it seemed like forever, but it was a couple seconds. And my husband's like, he's okay. He's wonderful. He's beautiful. So they followed him and brought him over and just, you know, it was just like the most amazing moment to like hold my baby boy that I just delivered naturally. And, and unfortunately, they wanted to take him to the NICU for an hour of observation, which like I guess I should have argued because he was totally fine and they did nothing for him. But my husband got to go with him and, and I got stitched up. I had a secondary tear, which after reading isn't really that bad for having forceps and an OP. Yeah. And 12 ounce baby. Yep, that's really good. <laughs> so like, yeah, I'm like, like not bad. And the stitching probably hurt more than anything else. So. It's just, yeah, you know, not fun. But they brought him back to me, and and I got to, like, skin to skin and, and, and breastfeed. And, and, you know, the recovery is just a thousand million times better than any C-section you could ever have. And, and I just hugged my husband and sobbed and just, like, just couldn't believe. Like, it was the most triumphant feeling in the world. And, and, and I remember my parents were, like, in the waiting room when my husband and, and my son went to the NICU and they saw him go by, but they didn't know I had delivered yet. They didn't realize it was their grandson getting wheeled by. <laughs> and so they came into the room and they thought I was like still laboring. Cause like, you can't really tell with your belly. It's still big. And I had like a sheet on me and I was like, just got stitched up and, and my husband had stopped communicating with them like via text for some reason. And I'm just like, they're like, Oh, so how's it going? And I'm just like, I did it. I, I had, a, I pushed him out of my vagina. I had a feedback and I started bawling. Like I was Aww. like, my mom came over and just thought, like I sobbed and was hugging her and, and later found out like my parents like they were loving and supportive but like neither of them thought I was going to do it like they told my mm. husband like we didn't think she could do it we didn't think it was like my dad is a doctor and didn't think it was safe and yeah. and, and they really didn't they didn't like not support me but like they just didn't understand and so yeah like he he did great and, and you know the most amazing feeling in the world and I was planning my fourth baby for my postpartum room <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I gotta do this again I love it. I love it too. Oh I wish my husband would let me have a fourth baby because no, I, I want to do it again too. too. I want to do it again. And 
I know that oh, might well, sound. Me, but <laughs> yeah, like you know what, y'all oh. just seem to lay down the law. Oh, I know because no, you were like the, the boss. Post, and we said, you know what, we were your post. We were just talking about like how many babies, like knowing when you're done, and you yeah. your post made me tear up a little bit because you're talking about looking into your daughter's eyes and saying, "I need a sister for you," and like I just don't feel done, and like I'm waiting for this to pass because I'm only four months out, like, and I'm just waiting for it to pass. It might pass. <laughs> But it was, I want to do it again, and I want to do it a little differently, and I just want to, like, advocate for myself just a little more. And I dealt with, like, a lot of, after the birth, like, the euphoria wore off. Like, for a couple of weeks, I had, like, the birth high of, like, mm-hmm. I felt like, like I was so Where's like, my trophy? Was, Someone bring me a trophy. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, felt like, I felt like a crazy person. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was, the birth high was unlike anything I've ever experienced. I was, like, so patient with my other kids, and I was almost, like, in la-la land. Like, I was so happy. But then, like, yeah, like, the birth I wore off and I started, like, really, like, like nitpicking my birth and, like, kind of thinking about the what-ifs. And, like, I did have a couple of weeks of, like, some really, like, I don't want to sugarcoat it. Like, it wasn't all, like you guys say, the effects weren't always, like, rainbows and kittens right. and sunshine. Like, mm-hmm. I really had, like, some really, like, a couple of bad weeks where I cried a lot and I, mm-hmm. and I talked about all the what-ifs. And, like, I sent these really long emails to my poor doula. And, like, I think she was, like, my therapist for a couple of weeks. You know love what, though? Doulas are happy, yeah. too. Doulas love yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Because she helped me so much, like, work mm. through my, my emotions and my feelings. And I went from feeling like the most triumphant person in the world to, like, I was thinking that, like, my forceps delivery was a failure and that it wasn't a true feedback. And, like, I've come back no. to, like, circle oh. and I feel good again. But, like, it is. It's hard and it's so emotional. And, like, I still ended up with, like, a couple of regrets. And my photographer loved me. And that was a whole other drama where she, like, didn't even refund us. And I had to deal with, like, all the sadness oh. of not having, like, those pictures. She just, like, left and went to do another photo shoot. Like, I don't know. And just didn't come back. And that's yeah, a whole other thing. That, that, very, very that kind of ticks me off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, um, she, she was too, too good to be true. She wasn't very expensive. And she booked, mm-hmm. like, a baptism or something for that Sunday morning. And she thought she could make it, like, an hour away for like a 10 a.m. baptism and come back and I progressed so fast and but then we never really got an apology and we never got any money back and we never got any photos and and it was just really heartbreaking so my doula took a bunch and oh yay her her cell phone even though they aren't the best quality and like yeah so like it just I guess I'm still working through a lot of those feelings and so like I think just like for women to know that like a VBAC isn't always like the happiest most joyful like you know like in the end, like yes, I'm so happy I wasn't a C-section, and like I am, I'm, I feel very transient. But like there, there can definitely be like some like difficult feelings and emotions that go along with it. And yeah, I just think that's important. I didn't know that going in. I kind of thought it was black or white, like a C-section or the most amazing birth mm-hmm. in the world. You know, like like there's some some in between. You know, there is. I um I really loved my be back. Like, and there were some hard moments, but um, mm-hmm. my postpartum. Oh, you had a was really hard really, postpartum. really, really hard. And I was really? pissed because I was like, I just got my vaginal birth. Like, I should be feeling amazing. Yeah. I shouldn't be having a hard recovery. And and it wasn't like vaginal recovery. It, I, Which is hard. <laughs> yeah. It, like, my, my vagina felt great, honestly. <laughs> it did. But I, my, it wasn't vaginal recovery it, it was physical and uh-huh. and that frustrated me it frustrated me that I didn't feel like I could walk around the block but then I had to remind myself I just pushed a baby out of my vagina you know I had <laughs> I had a 42 hour labor 
Yeah. Eh, yeah. No duh. Of course no, I'm duh. gonna feel bad. <laughs> you <laughs> dummy. But slow you down. Know, but yeah. But at the same time, you know, so, I see women. I see clients that are like out doing normal Going stuff to Target. and the next day and so it is it's so it's hard, hard and it's so frustrating to Everybody's to have this dirt this birth that you want and you ha- got it you know you got for the most part everything you wanted but then to have some hard trials through that so mm-hmm. you're not alone out there and feeling that and I love that you kind of disclaimer it a little bit for women out there because it's totally the truth like it's not mm-hmm. always all sunshine and butterflies. Yeah. So thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. And, that. and that recovery, yeah, that that sort that that stitching. Oh, the, the vagina recovery isn't easy. <laughs> I Especially after walking. forceps, that's that's hard. That's a that for, takes yeah, some additional beating. Part of it. I just I, I felt better, and then I would go for like a walk, and then I would like regress and feel like way worse mm-hmm. pain wise. Like okay, that was too soon. But yeah, it's it's not always easy just because you didn't have a surgery. So for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Yes. Yes. But we're so happy, and he was our peanut. He was our smallest baby, even though he was 41 weeks, and he was more post-date than, than my second. We willed him to be our littlest, so we call him our peanut. And on that note, I want to issue a challenge to every woman of strength listening right now. If we combine our powers and manifest that Amy and Megan's husbands will let them have <laughs> another baby, then hey, with, a, with the mind power <laughs> of... Thousands of women of strength <laughs> manifesting these babies. Yeah, um, I was going to say, good luck all. That's why we have everybody. to manifest hard. Tell your friends, post about it on start, your start, personal Facebook start, pages. Start leaving comments on yeah, there. Yeah, go find me, Rick Heaton, yeah. <laughs> R-I-C, there is no K. Rick Heaton, send him an email. Oh, he would, he would be very uh He very would hate upset. me. He'd be so mad at me. <laughs> But we don't want it's all for a good cause. It's for a righteous cause, you know, <laughs> bringing another little baby to the Heaton family and the Bodnar family and manifest women of strength. There has never been a greater call from you than this one right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to wrap it up. But if you want to yeah. know more about forceps delivery and vacuum assisted delivery, which you should, because it's more common than you think. And it might have to happen to you during your VBAC. Go to our blog, thevbacklink.com slash blog. It's called The Must Know Vacuum and Forceps Delivery. Read about it. Educate yourself so that you'll be prepared if that has to happen to you during your birth attempt. Now, listen up. Megan said it at the beginning, and I'm going to say it again now. We are taking the month of December off, and it kind of makes us really sad. It It was a hard decision. Mm -hmm. It was a really hard decision, but we've, we need some quality time with our families during the holidays. So we are taking the month off and we wish you and your family happy holidays, no matter what holiday you're celebrating and know that we still love you. And we are going to be back on January 6th with a really, really cool special episode for you actually all about birth photography kind of ending it on maybe a positive but, note yeah, because there's some really amazing birth <laughs> photographers out there but don't forget we are still going to be on instagram or on facebook we have our facebook group our facebook page um you can email us you can find all the information about our classes and our blog and listen to all the past episodes of the podcast from our website thevbacklink.com and so have a happy holiday and a, the most amazing new year and we are going to be right back on january 6th would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to thevbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. 
For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.